Um, I'm reading today from the New International Version. Um, here it is. Is any one of you in trouble? He should pray. Is anyone happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. The word of God for the people of God. So last Sunday after worship, something really beautiful happened right, right here in this space. Maybe you saw it. Maybe you were even a, a part of it. Earlier in worship this morning, we talked about our friend John Hemingway. We talked about how John is, is going through treatment for cancer, how he had a, a bone marrow transplant this week. We talked about how last Sunday was the last Sunday for several months that John is going to be able to, to be here with us in worship. Well, after worship last Sunday, one of John's friends spotted him sitting with his wife Connie here in, in the sanctuary and and, and this good and faithful and compassionate court straighter suddenly in that moment was moved to, to pray for John. And so as she made her way across the sanctuary, she gathered up people as she went and, and gathered a group of people around John and Connie. And they, they laid hands on John and they prayed for John. They prayed that he would experience healing. They prayed that he would have, have courage. They prayed that John and Connie would have strength to, to face the weeks to come. In this space after worship last week, a uh, a group of court streeters gathered around one of our friends and did what James advises us, tells us, commands us to do in this morning's scripture reading. James says to the early Christians, and he says also to us, if one of you is sick, here is what you do. You call people together. You gather around that person, touch that person, anoint that person with oil, pray for that person, and believe, believe that there is healing in the prayers of the faithful. Believe that there is power in the prayer of faith. And the question that I want to ask this morning is very simply this. What does science have to say about what James has to say? What does science have to tell us about this question? Is there, is there healing in the prayers of God's people? Is there power in the prayer of faith? That's the question we're going to ask today. And we have to acknowledge as we get started that, that just by asking that question, we put ourselves in the middle of one of the most controversial conversations in all of science. Now, last week we talked about the, the way in which science now has discovered that there is a link between our, our faith and our spirituality and, and the, the health of our bodies and our ability to, to heal ourselves. We talked last week about how even though science was reluctant to study it, even though it took them a long time to, to even ask the question, now science has pretty well established that in fact in moments of sickness when you're experiencing brokenness in your bodies, it's healthier, it's better, it's more healing for us 
to turn towards God than it is to turn away from God. Science has discovered that our spirituality, our faith can carry us through moments of sickness in, in powerful ways. Even scientists who don't believe in God, even scientists who don't believe that there's anything to all of this spiritual stuff now acknowledge that faith seems to have healing powers for people who believe. And, and even scientists who don't believe in God say, well, we can see, we can see how that would happen if you, if you put your troubles in God's hands, then you're going to be less stressed out. And if you're less stressed out, you're going to have different kinds of hormones floating around your body. You won't have all those stress hormones floating around in your bloodstream. And, and so your immune system won't be working as hard and it'll be able to tackle disease better. We can see how your faith can lead to your healing. But those same scientists who now are ready to acknowledge that your faith can lead to your healing draw a line when it comes to the idea that your faith can lead to somebody else's healing, that your thoughts and emotions and prayers can affect what happens in somebody else's body. We just don't see how that could possibly work, most scientists say. And even those scientists who have, have been willing to try to study this question have discovered that it's really a difficult question to answer. It's not an easy thing to design an experiment that can test the healing power of prayer. Think about why this is. If you're, if you're testing a new medication... If you're testing a new drug, what do you do? You take a group of people into a laboratory and you separate them into two groups and you say group A gets the drug, group B doesn't. And then after months of testing, you look at the results and say, is there any difference? Did group A do differently or better than, than group B did? That's how we trust test new medications. It's not, it's not a complicated process, but think about what would happen if we tried to do that with prayer. If you were to try and test prayer that way, you would have to take a group of people into a laboratory, separate them into two groups, and say group A gets prayer and group B doesn't get prayed for at all. And the problem with that kind of experiment, the thing that throws a wrench into that kind of testing is you. You are the thing that messes up that test because every Sunday, every day, every morning in places like this all around the world, people like you and me gather together and we pray not just for healing for the people we know. We pray not just for God to heal the people we love and whose names we can spell. We pray for God to heal who we pray for God to heal all who are sick. Just this morning we did that a few minutes ago. We pray that God will be with everyone who is in a hospital, everyone who is in a doctor's office. We pray that God will comfort all who are experiencing brokenness in their bodies. I know a lot of, a lot of people who pray every time they hear an ambulance going by. I know some court streeters who have told me that whenever I hear that siren go screaming down the road, I take a moment and I say, dear God, please look after whoever is in that ambulance today. Whenever I go to the hospital to, to visit a court streeter who is sick, the first thing I do when I walk through the front door of the hospital is to say a prayer for everyone who is in that hospital that day. And then as I walk down the halls, there's this thing that I do where I silently say a prayer in my mind, in my heart for every person I meet. God, be with that doctor. God, be with that nurse. God, be with that man. God, be with that woman. God, be with with that child. I told a friend of mine that a few years ago, and she said, wow, she said, it's like you're a prayer ninja. And this is what messes up that experience. It's, it's all of the prayer ninjas in the world who pray for people we don't even know. There is no way to say that group B didn't get prayed for. There is no way to shield people from the effects of prayer. It's impossible to test prayer in that way. And so if we're going to find data, if we're going to find science that gives us some sort of insight into what happens when 
when we pray for each other, it's probably not going to come from the field of medical research. Instead, it's more likely to come from a different branch of science altogether. It's probably going to come from the realm of quantum physics. Have you heard of quantum physics? If I say quantum physics, do you know what I'm talking about? That's okay. I had to spend a lot of time this week reading articles just so I could give it to you like in a nutshell. So, so here's what quantum physics is. Quantum physicists are those scientists who are at the very cutting edge of studying how our universe is put together. Quantum physicists are the people who study the very smallest particles in creation. They study things that are even smaller than atoms. They study the things that atoms are made up of. They study study electrons, they study quarks, they study photons, how they interact with each other, the forces that move them as they try to unlock the secrets of the universe. And it turns out that in trying to unlock the secrets of the universe, these quantum physicists may very well have discovered the power, the power that is in the prayers of the faithful. Now, back in the 1980s, a, a group of French scientists made a, a remarkable discovery. In, in a laboratory, these French scientists somehow introduced two photons, two particles of light to each other. I don't pretend to understand how they did this. They made these, these particles interact with each other. And then they made a, a remarkable discovery. They discovered that even after they separated these two photons, these two particles of light, they were still connected in a mysterious and powerful way. They discovered that, that if they started one of those photons spinning in a clockwise direction, immediately, without any hesitation, the other photons started spinning in the opposite direction. Now, they were able to see this happen on a, on a table in the laboratory when these photons were right next to each other, but then they started moving these photons farther and farther apart. They separated these two photons so that there was a, a hundred yards, a football field in between them, and then they started the one photon spinning, and immediately the other photon started spinning as well. They separated them so that there was a, a mile of distance in between them, and as soon as they started one spinning, the other one also started spinning. They separated them. They put one in a car and drove it 30 miles away and even when they were separated by 30 miles, the instant they started spinning one photon, the other started spinning as well and these scientists believe that these photons are so entangled that you could take one of them all the way to the end of the universe and you could carry the other photon all the way to the opposite end of the universe and as soon as you start one spinning, the other one would start spinning as well, even with all the universe in between them. Scientists have discovered that there is a mysterious force that connects everything in creation, a force, a power that transcends time and space. It's as if the, the journalist Barbara Bradley Haggerty writes in her book, God's Fingerprint, she says, it's as if the universe is made of jello. If you poke one end, the other end jiggles. That's the best I can do to explain quantum <laughs> physics to you this morning. It's as if the universe is made of jello. And maybe, maybe you can see the implications of this discovery for people of faith. Now, this, this effect, this quantum entanglement has only ever been demonstrated in, in tiny little subatomic particles. But there are some scientists now who are ready to say, well, everything that exists is made up of subatomic particles. You and I and the pews and the stars are all made up of subatomic particles. And, and there are scientists who are willing to say that it may be that not just subatomic particles can become entangled, but the people who are made up of those particles can also 
also become entangled. The people who are made up of those particles may in some way be able to communicate, to influence, to affect each other, even when they are separated by a great distance. And, and there are some, some experiments now that are starting to reveal that we can even see this effect happening, happening right in front of our eyes. This week I was reading about an experiment in which 36 married couples were taken into a laboratory. And they were separated, and one member of each of those couples was taken into a, a room that was completely shielded off from the outside world. It was completely soundproofed. It was electromagnetically shielded, so no signals of any kind could come out or go in. And they took that person into that room, and they sat them in a chair, and they hooked them up to, to all of these machines that would keep readings on their, their body functions, on their blood flow, on their heart rate, on their brainwave activity. And then they took the other spouse into a different room. They sat the other spouse down in front of a television. They said, watch this TV for the next half hour at random intervals. You're going to see an image, a picture of your spouse appear on that screen. As soon as you see that picture on the screen, we want you to start sending positive energy, sending good intentions, sending love and goodness through the air to your spouse. And then when that picture is not on the screen, we want you to think about baseball, think about hockey, think about politics, think about anything, anything in the world other than your spouse. And so they did this experiment. All 36 couples did this for a, a half an hour at a time. And then when the experiment was over, these researchers compared, compared the body rhythms of the people who were in the shielded room to what was happening in the other room, whether the person was sending out positive, good vibes and intentions or not. And what they discovered was remarkable. As they looked at the data, they saw that over and over again, within two seconds of the sender sending positive emotions and feelings out into the universe, there was some sort of a physical response in the body of their spouse who was in the shielded room. Now, it is possible that all of this was just a statistical fluke. It was possible that, that all of this is just the result of random chance that it's just so much mathematical static, but it's not very likely. These researchers calculated that the chances, the odds against this being the result of random mathematical chance were 11,000 to 1, but that's not the most amazing part of this experiment. Let me tell you about the most amazing part of this study. In those 36 couples, 22 of the couples included a spouse who had recently been diagnosed with cancer. And the researchers had a theory. They had a theory that these couples would be more highly motivated, more deeply connected, more powerfully entangled than the other couples were. And when they looked at the data when the study was over, they discovered that absolutely that was the fact. They discovered that the couples in which one, one spouse had just been diagnosed with cancer, they responded more quickly, more consistently, and more powerfully to the signals that their spouse was sending out in the other room. In fact, they discovered that when you just looked at those 22 couples, in which one spouse had been diagnosed with cancer, the chances of their connection, the odds against their connection being just random mathematical static went from 11,000 to 1. It jumped up all the way to 135,000 to 1. In other words, scientists now in laboratories around the world as they replicate this experiment and do other experiments like it are discovering that somehow we don't understand how science can't even explain it, but there does seem to be a link between everything in this universe we can't affect things even when we're not in the same room. We can become entangled with each other and the more powerfully we are in love with each other, the closer we are to each other, the more highly motivated we are, the more entangled we become. Maybe that's why James gives us the advice that he does, right? 
In this morning scripture reading, when James says, if somebody is sick, gather around that person, put your hands on them, anoint them with oil, pray for them. What he's really saying is whenever somebody among you is sick, get yourselves good and entangled because there is power in the prayers of God's people. Now, science can't explain all of this. Science doesn't understand quantum entanglement. They don't understand what this mysterious force is that connects everything in creation. They don't even have a name for it, but that's okay because people of faith, we've got lots of names for it. This mysterious force that connects everything in creation, we call it spirit, we call it God, we call it love, and we understand that when you encounter it, the appropriate response is not to try to explain it or try to understand it. We understand that when you encounter this mysterious force, the appropriate response is simply to stand in awe of it and let it wash over you. And so that's what we're going to do in worship this morning. This morning as we close our worship, we're going to get good and entangled here at Court Street United Methodist Church. Here's what we're going to do this morning. In just a moment, Alan is going to start playing the last hymn. And and we're going to stand and we're going to sing the last hymn. And I hope that some of you will stay right where you are and sing so that we can have, have some music. But as we're singing that last hymn, I'm going to make an invitation. If there is anybody in the church who has been experiencing brokenness in your body or brokenness in your soul, If you've been experiencing sickness in your body or sickness of your spirit, we invite you to come forward this morning. Come down to the altar, kneel if you feel like that's what you need to do, and we are going to surround you. We're going to place hands on you. We are going to anoint you with oil. We are going to pray for you. And if you can't make it down to the front this morning, that's okay. Just be patient, and then when I look in your direction, go ahead, throw up a hand, and we will come to you, and we will surround you right where you are, and we will will pray for you this morning. And if you feel moved, if you don't need prayers for yourself, but if you feel moved to come on down to the front and be one of the people laying hands on and praying for people, we invite you to do that as well. That's what we're going to do during the last hymn today. It may be that we run out of verses to sing before we run out of people to pray for. That's, that's okay. If that's the case, Alan's just, right, Alan's just going to keep on playing music on the organ, and we hope that wherever you are, you will, you will pray, you will send good energy, you will send positive intentions and love towards the people who we're praying for as we do this. All right, church, so we know what we're doing? Are you ready? Are you ready to sing? I'm going to invite you to get on your feet, open up your hymnals, get ready to sing this last hymn. Alan's going to fire up the organ. We're going to sing together, and as the Spirit moves, if you feel like this is something that would be helpful to you, if you believe that there is power in the prayers of God's people today, then we invite you. We invite you to come forward and receive prayer. Let's sing, church.